Altima, <laughs> 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> How's it going, Rebecca? Jewish. Did you know that you're Jewish? I thought some of you watching right now weren't aware, so. You are a Jew. And your king, who is also your God, is a Jew. And your spirit understands ancient Hebrew. And that song that we just listened to together, wasn't that nice? I saw some of you almost trancing out over here. What we just listened to together is actually the Psalm of Creation. Psalms 104. And that was sung in ancient Hebrew. Isn't that nice? Our spirit got it the first time. But let's let's take a look in our understanding. And you can just listen if you're feeling a little trancy right now. Just let it soak right into your spirit. That's the mark of these champions. Many of our local warriors, they already know whether it's a song we're listening to in ancient Hebrew or a scripture, a Bible verse we're reading in English. It's still not for this. What sets them apart is that they know how to put it, it's for my spirit. It's in English, I understand it, great, put it in my spirit. It's in ancient Hebrew or some other language. Okay, it's still for my spirit. If you can learn to value the spirit and the things of the spirit, you'll be headed on the right track to more God inside, mind it. <laughs> glory, knowing him, escaping from the exile of religion. So let's put our hand on our spirit and uh, let's listen to it in English. Psalm 104, this is the Amplified Classic. Bless affectionately, gratefully, praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You are the one who covers yourself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain or a tent, who lays the beams of the upper room of his abode in the waters above the firmament, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his ministers. You laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder, they hasten away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place where you pointed for them. You set a boundary for the waters, which they may not pass over, that they turn not again to deluge the earth. He sends forth springs into the valleys. Their waters run among the mountains. They give drink to every wild beast of the field, the wild asses quench their thirst there. 
beside them. The birds of the heavens have their nests. They sing among the branches. And they were singing today, weren't they? He waters the mountains from his upper rooms. The earth is satisfied and abounds with the fruit of his works. He causes vegetation to grow for the cattle and all that the earth produces for a man to cultivate that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that gladdens the heart of man to make his face shine more than oil and bread to support, refresh and strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly and are filled with sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he has planted, where the birds make their nests, as for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the conies and badgers. The Lord appointed the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the exact time of its setting. You, O Lord, make darkness and it becomes night, in which creeps forth every wild beast of the forest. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun arises, they withdraw themselves and lie down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and remains at his task until evening. O Lord, how many and varied are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your riches and your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide, in which are swarms of innumerable creeping things, creatures both small and great. There go the ships of the sea, and Leviathan, the sea monster, which you have formed to sport in it. These all wait and are dependent upon you, that you may give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up, you open your hand, and they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are troubled and dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit and give them breath, they are created and you replenish the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth, and it quakes and trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have any being. May my meditation be sweet to him. As for me, I will rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless affectionately, gratefully, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Yetzirah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. It's nice to bask in it. 
his presence streaming out from within you like rivers of living water. The king of glory within you has given you something without measure hidden in his secret storehouse of wisdom. Everything will be given in measures until you find the one within who is the anointing himself without measure. What does it cost? <laughs> Mostly our pride. I find that's the number one blockage from discovering Christ within us is uh, the pride of the consciousness of self in adding Christianity into the, the soul instead of dissolving the soul and adding Christianity into the spirit. As you were speaking Psalms 104, mm -hmm. I saw the part in a vision where he brings forth wine from the earth and oil to brighten our faces. Mm -hmm. And I saw the temple of the bride, your bodies, bringing forth the wine of his bloodline from your spiritual stomachs. And it came right out of your innermost being. And then the wine came first, and then the oil came, and the face was brightened to shine forth the glory of God from deep within you. That's why the scripture says, the earth brings forth wine and oil. And you are the earthen vessels. You are the earth that produces the fruit of heaven. Amen. I went into that same interactive vision <laughs> while you were seeing it. Isn't that wonderful? You're be we're all becoming seers. Those who see. What's the eye said that sees? The oil that is brought forth from the earth. Fresh oil. Purchase eye self. What is it going to cost? <laughs> How do I pay for an invisible thing? Do they take Venmo? What about Cash App? <laughs> what Let me buy thing? this Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> what does it cost? <laughs> Count the cost. Is it worth going to war? What exactly are you warring against? And don't say my neighbor. <laughs> oh. Don't say my spouse, my husband. My kids are definitely in the I war. <laughs> I, th I think we're warring against the stuff in the earth that doesn't bring forth wine and oil. Yeah. So there's a tilling of the soil and there's foul ground. Foul ground is DNA that's not threshed with the word of God to produce the wine and the oil of Jesus Christ. Mm. The whole point of Christianity is to have Jesus Christ literally formed in you, through you, and manifest all around you. That's what on earth as it is in heaven is. But it requires a certain soil. The parable of the sower sowing seed since all wine and oil can only come from the Word of God, for the Word of God is the impartation of the genetics of God that bring forth, brings forth the blood of God and the oil of God. Wise virgins full of what? Oil. What does that mean? Good soil that has produced the fruit of the seed of the Word of God from their spirits by doing the Word and not just hearing it. 
the ones that hear it only goes into the, the soul but the ones that do it goes into the soil of the spirit and it produces oil so bridegroom's chambers or cosmic righteousness of the sun psalms 19 is only attainable when the word is planted in the spirit and grown by faith so within the seed of the word is all wine and all oil and it's not all the same there was seven different varieties of oil in ancient times and the seventh degree was the one they used in the anointing of the temple so it means there's a refinement of producing forth the anointing of the word of God from your spirit until it's seven which is perfect that's why scripture says be perfect as your father in heaven's perfect it's a refinement of the oil or the anointing of the anointed one that's inside the gospel words and it wants to come forth in all your hearts through faith not just faith only because faith without works or obedience is dead which means it will do you no good to hear only you must also do and it's not a voodoo doo doo it's a reaction of transforming the outer man and conforming it to the word in the inner man that's what transformation of the soul and the flesh bringing it into obedience to Christ as it's written we preach the gospel to bring all flesh into the obedience of Christ what is Christ the oil the anointing that can only come about by a people that learn how to bring forth oil wise virgins amen mm. <laughs> I heard the Lord say today cleanse the altar Genesis 35 2 so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him put away the foreign gods which are among you and cleanse yourselves and change your garments Exodus 29 36 and you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement you shall cleanse the altar what's the altar Christ crucified Jerusalem inside your heart and you shall anoint it to consecrate it for God's sacred purpose it's a rededication to serving the altar of the cross of his blood with your mind with your heart your feelings and emotions and with your body which is your will so it's an acknowledgement through the senses of serving at a sacrificial altar within your very spirit the throne of the lamb is an altar serving the altar check this out serving the altar of God the Father that golden altar is Jesus's golden throne that's why John the Revelator saw the lamb standing on his throne because it's a priest of an altar the throne of Jesus is the altar of God the Father so the bride of the lamb is a priest that serves on that throne that's not high and mighty oh king 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 queen 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 no it's sacrificial priesthood learning how to serve the father on an altar that's real Christianity altar works or the throne of the lamb and those who serve there amen Amen. glory Woo. <laughs> hey, 
You want to hear some more about cleansing in the altar? Yeah, I. It's really, <laughs> it's really strong. Exodus thirty ten. I'm staring at dirt. <laughs> this is really strong. Amen. Since the altar is sacred to me, Aaron is to cleanse it once each year by smeared blood. The word smeared there is anointed, anointed blood from the sin offering, which is Jesus, on its horns. Horns symbolize strength. I remember growing up in the assemblies of God as a Christian the first several years of being born again. And horns, for the most part, were a scary thing only attributed to the demonic. And only when I came into the glory of God, into the prophetic, did I realize horns are on both the kingdom of hell side and the kingdom of heaven side. And horns are actually mostly, over 90%, ascribed to God and His power and His might and His altar in the Bible. Mm-hmm. When you don't know the Bible, horns you think Halloween and devils. You mm-hmm. notice that? They Fear were devil's horns. What Christians wear horns? You, I mean, this, this, let this really <laughs> reveal to you how far away from the Bible we are. Because if the Bible describes horns in a positive way, almost every single time in the Bible, and it's almost never attributed to the devil, how did the devil out here in culture get all the horns? So if you see someone wearing horns around, you think, oh, demons or horns or occult or Satan. But it's unbiblical because horns in the Bible are almost every single time exclusively belonging to God and deity. That tells you how far cultural Christianity is from biblical Christianity. It's the exact opposite. Horns represent an altar, a sin offering, uh, everything of the priesthood and power. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Who's the sacrifice? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. You're the sacrifice. (laughs) living, holy, acceptable to God. (laughs) Aaron is to cleanse it once each year by smeared blood. Smeared blood. From the sin offering on its horns. Mm -hmm. Throughout all your generations, the the high priests are to perform this ritual. What's high priesthood in the New Covenant context? Remember the Old Testament is for wisdom. So let's glean the revelation from the written word. The high priesthood is cosmic righteousness in the working of the sapphire stones of the Sephirotic tree of life. Pouring out the blood there, working the horns of Keter, Hakma, Bina, Dat, Hesed, Gavura, Tiferet, Netza, Had, Yasad, and Malkut. And I've seen the coming forth of Shekinah through Malkut as the new earth. And since these are the original words that God spoke to create the heavens and the earth, none of it belongs to sorcery, none of it belongs to the occult. It's going to be awesome to remove the fear and paranoia from our cosmic inheritance in these days so that everyone may learn from the true high priesthood according to the scriptures and according to the heart of God the Father and the wisdom of Jesus Christ. I was reading in Jasher today, Jasher chapter 3, 
everyone on the earth came to Enoch to learn his knowledge and his wisdom. And they begged and pleaded with him that he be king over all of them. King of kings is what Jasher 3 says of Enoch. Mm. Now, this is fascinating, and I don't know how many times I've read this and haven't seen this before, but it was fresh and brand new today. They said, during the reign of Enoch, and they said it was 235 years or so, there was peace throughout the whole earth. World peace. So I had thought only world peace existed through Solomon. It's not true. The greatest world peace existed through the cosmic wisdom and cosmic knowledge of Enoch, whose book you have. In the days of Enoch, there was world peace. So he didn't deal with the wickedness of the generations. That was a different time, according to Jasher. I think reading Jasher chapter 3 that would be great might absolutely blow your minds right now this is the glory <laughs> of the word <laughs> All lifting right. you up on the wings of glory gird thy loins upon thy side almighty warrior we're going into the deep here we go and Enoch oh yes <laughs> and Enoch. why so much Enoch because you are the generation of Enoch Enoch did not have an inheritance in his day. Zero people could follow him or walk with him in his ways. Zero. He was the only one. But in this generation, Enoch prophesied for a far-off and remote generation. For when all the devils are to be removed, which is wickedness in the heavens. That's why so few could follow him, because they had that angelic mixture in the heavens and they just couldn't mm -hmm. overcome. And I really believe it was simply because Enoch was God inside-minded and everyone else was God outside-minded. Like they listened, they heard, they followed, but since it wasn't internal in their spirit, there was no transfiguration. Enoch was really the first demonstration of someone who goes all the way being God inside-minded. Alright, and Enoch, he lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Hey! Yeah, I just heard. Uh, the fruit of being God inside minded is cosmic righteousness. Because Philippians 3.11 says, that's what raises you from the dead. The realization of Christ, who is the resurrection, in you. But because it's according to faith, the unrenewed mind doesn't value it or think it's real. Why am I wasting my time? A lot of people, even though the impartation is the same upon all your hearts, because of the brain, it's not allowed to function in you. Scripture says it only functions in, in you if the mind is renewed. So if the mind is connected to external altars valuing the realm of the beast and the animal, or the natural realm, and doesn't have the faith for the glory realm, which is Christ in you, the glory realm, Colossians 1.27, even though you hear the same thing, you're not functioning in the same ability. That's why faith has to be mixed in the hearing of the word. Faith. But is faith, like you said the other day, I love this, what you said at Joel's bar, faith is the, recogni the recognition of Christ inside you. And everyone's measure of faith is different. By the renewal of your mind, you know God, you know Him. Mm -hmm. Depart from me, worker, worker of iniquity, you only had on the outside. 
So you have charismatic Christians going to hell, being sent to hell by Jesus Christ in the Gospels, but the ones that know him are all God inside-minded. Top priority, God inside-minded. That is your measure of faith. That'll be your elevation to ascend into the higher things because it's all based on Jesus on the inside. Somewhere in the middle of what you were saying, like the first <laughs> quarter of what you were saying, I saw a big angel standing in front of Jordan. And then I was waving my feather, and I looked over, and I saw waving the feather back. And Jesus <laughs> is the champion of grace. Now, what is the separation of the wicked and the righteous? Jesus okay. is the only righteous person. The Bible says that he has been made our righteousness, and righteousness is the gift of the person of Jesus living inside our spirit, soul, and mind, and body. So the truth is, you have two groups of people today, just like Jesus taught. Sheep, goats, wheat, tear, wise, foolish. And it's all based on grace, which is Jesus on the inside, or self, which is self-righteousness, false grace, external grace. External grace is prostitution. Internal grace is working out salvation. Come on. And you need... All the internal grace of the man of grace. What does Paul call him? The throne of grace. What is the throne of grace? The Lamb's throne. The Lamb's throne is the throne of grace. And I tell you the truth, those that are born again that are sent, he has given grace without measure. Now, what does that mean? That means the formation of the person Jesus in the inner man has infinite grace working out salvation as long as the inner man continues to grow. If it's about the outer man, there's a cap of grace. Why? Because you're not using it properly. It's the abuse of grace that Paul forbids in Scripture. There is an abuse of grace for all that are bewitched. That's how the demons get so much of Christianity in these days. It is through grace that the kingdom of hell operates. Mm -hmm. Stolen Stolen grace is how hell operates upon the human race. But when it's internal grace, it's not stolen, and it can't be stolen. Store up treasures in heaven where the thief cannot steal. What does that mean? He can't steal what you're using for the salvation of the formation of your spirit man. To What's the formation of your spirit man? The appearance of Jesus Christ. The appearance of Christ, which is the image-bearing of God. Adam and Eve bore Jesus's image in their spirit, they lost it, covered their bellies with aprons, which was the protection of their spirit Mm -hmm. from God, the protection of their inner man from Jesus Christ. That's what the fall is. That's what's being reversed in all your bellies for your inner man to bear the image of Jesus. Hallelujah. Who all thought of the Freemasonry aprons when Brendan posted that and we shared that revelation? So there is a sorcery that knowingly blocks the human spirit from mm-hmm. God. That's why they wear That's aprons. That's what sorcery is. That's what Nimrod taught. That's what Cain was. The mark mm-hmm. of Cain is the protection of his spirit against Jesus Christ. And he was sealed and marked mm-hmm. with a mark of a beast and a mark of an animal. I tell you the truth. All that are marked with Cain and all that are marked with beast and animal and flesh and 666 the number of the human being, all that are marked have marked themselves to not have transformation in their spirit. As it is written, do not harm them until they are sealed with the mark of God, 
So the good ones get sealed. What's the seal of the mark of Jesus Christ? The inner man bearing Jesus' image. That your spirit man, people, angels can look in it and see God. The pure in heart see God. Why? Because his image is in the spirit. Why do we preach the gospel? Why do we teach revelatory teachings? So that your spirit can bear God's image. The word of God is the blueprint. It is the very word that reveals God when it's mixed with faith, which means imprinted upon your spirit. I will write my laws upon your spirit and upon your minds. Why? Oh, just so I'm full of the Bible and I'm just right and good. No, so that you can image bear or reveal God, the only God, from your spirit. That's what changes all angelic dimensions. And the last one to be changed is the natural one, the one most are stuck in. That's why there's so little obedience, because there's so little faith. Faith is the ability to see the meaningfulness and the purposes of the inner man image-bearing the divine. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and uh, check out these little notes here. We have um, the word for made in our image, let us make man in our in our own image that word is zelem t-z-e-l-l-e-m zelem that's attributed to the world of yet zero which is you know where we're at this season for the pioneers pioneering through the world of yet zero uh, but what's interesting that word zelem it's like image it can be used for photograph it can be used for idols but that part of creation, right, when God created everything, it came down through sapphire stones. It all came down through the word of God, through Jesus Christ. Because what do those represent? They represent Jesus. He is the word that created. All things were created through him, by him, for him. You know, So through him, those sapphire stones, that's how they created man in their own image. Zelem, which is... In the world of Yetzirah. So as we conquer Yetzirah, right, we're going back in time, right? We're going back in, back to the beginning, outside of time. This has been the craziest world This is yet. Because <laughs> we're dealing, in this tree, you deal with every other image. In all the different it layers. It feels like the ultimate stronghold of the enemy in facing this tree. It was the longest we've ever been on a sapphire stone. Had. For I think almost a month. It's been a really fun tree, huh? Yeah, and, it's uh, been a good one. Really at wrestling the enemy big time. It's really exciting. <laughs> I love Yetzira. Um, what we read today was a lot of Yetzira. If you want to do your own study later uh, for our students, what we read earlier, Psalm 104 of creation, there was a lot of Yetzira in there. Remember, we talked about Leviathan. That's its dwelling, Yetzira. Uh, it talked about, you know, it's, it's a world of formation. So when he formed, went to form man, that image of God came down through Yetzira to be formed. So it's the word of God coming down through Jesus Christ, through sapphire stone. So as we go through that part that was, you know, cursed or it's bearing the wrong images in the soul and the different places, maybe in our spirit we're cleansed now. And actually, some of you, at the sound of my voice, you're still working on the spirit realm. Uh, quick word on that. This is just a note from the Holy Spirit. Your gifts of the of the spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, are not going to be completely free 
of being tainted by the enemy or partially used by the enemy at times when your spirit is not cleansed of iniquity. And what I mean by that is that first tree of Malkut to Keter in the spirit, when you complete that, that's what's going to burn out the all the iniquity. So until then, your dreams, your visions, even your tongues, gifts of spirit, visions, there's going to be mixture. And so part of your journey when you're going through that first part, and this is what I'm speaking from experience in going through that, is every dream, every vision, all your tongues, your interpretation of your tongues, all those different things in your perceptions. Part of that journey, part of the beauty of that part of your journey is you conversing with God, right? God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, who is God, God, the Father, and assessing those things that you've seen, that you've heard, that you've received using gifts and cleansing it, which means when you're not cleansed of iniquity, when you go to sleep at night, and I've talked to a couple of, of people in our, our community, so this is kind of an ongoing thing. The dreams, especially the visions, all the gifts of the spirit. Let's just use this one for, I'm just gonna use um, your one for example, someone had shared with me. They had a dream, I was in it, and I was saying certain things. There was another, like some kind of a famous Christian leader. And I was saying things about sapphire stones, so there was some truth in it. But when I went into the vision, right, as a seer, and they're sharing the dream with me, and it was almost colorless. When there's those dimmer colors, a lot of times you're dealing with the enemy, so you can look at the colors. Uh, that's also a good opportunity. You can go through John Paul Jackson has some really good... Um, just basic instructions on interpreting dreams and it's more of a church age kind of view but it, it's kind of a help to cross over you can use wisdom I think a real healthy mm -hmm. foundation just yep. one thing about dreams real quickly yep. John Paul Jackson said dreams can only come from three, three places. places yourself mm -hmm. the devil or the Lord so there's three right. different places. And so this particular dream someone had brought to me was actually from the enemy, but this is how they masked it. So how could we tell? You go into the vision of it, it's very low color, kind of dim colors. But and also the wording that they used was very much characteristic of demons of the black moon. Now when I was looking at the individual who was sharing the dream with me, and thank you for uh, sharing that, uh, it was... Uh, their place where they're trying to get to is the moon. That's the sapphire stone. They're mainly dealing with circumcising in their own heart. So knowing that and then looking at that, and since I have you know, that close hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat experience with many demons of the black moon, you kind of get to know what they're like as you rise, how they talk, uh, different lies that they say, or different manifestations that they have. And it was like, you know, some kind of famous, that I didn't really, I didn't know who they were, uh, but I googled them, and it was like a well-known speaker, some kind of a Christian something. But when I looked the speaker up, they smelled like rotten eggs and corn chips, right? So <laughs> it's nice being a smeller prophet, because uh, you find out real, it's like, oh man, okay. Yeah, that was definitely not... <laughs> if half a million followers, and they smell like rotten eggs in the spirit, but that's about exactly where we're at. Right, so... And that's just, it's a great way to tell, get your nose activation, you can receive it right now, uh, that's there for you. But another thing was, in the dream, I was attributing uh, the sapphire stones to being inside of that person and honoring that person. 
or in a way kind of serving them. So it's like a false humility, false leadership, stolen glory. So that one was pretty obviously it was the enemy. Uh, but the thing is, in the kingdom of hell, they have a saying: if you want to, uh, if you want to get someone to believe a lie, first you have to tell a truth. That's standard procedure protocol in the kingdom of hell, except for maybe like the super super lower ranking dumbest uh, demons. Well, they'll just do whatever. You know, they're just they're the dumbest. They don't have. They didn't get any of their shares of stolen glory. Completely obvious to the undiscerning. Right. There's those ones. But generally, when you're dealing with the kingdom of hell, the, the standard procedure is tell them a truth first. And even the uh, Jewish sages would understand this, that when you go to sleep and you ascend at night, whichever side you still have, like you might be clinging to, there might be some impurities there, uh, or just something that happened during the day, they will always usually tell you something about the future they'll tell you some truth there might be something true in the vision which is how it gets you and I'm like why was that god well well this part was true so when you see a lot of mixture like that and you, you know if you have questions you know you can reach out or you can reach out on our page i would encourage you um if you want to practice dream interpretation you guys can practice on the red letter ministries Facebook page, encourage each other. If you need a dream interpreted, this is a great chance for you guys to exercise that prophetic gift and practice, right? And so as people are practicing, you can take the interpretation with a grain of salt. But, that RLM Facebook practice, page is yeah. a perfect place to share your dreams mm -hmm. and visions yep. for interpretation from the whole tribe. Mm -hmm. Because the whole tribe together has all kinds of wisdom. Yep. And some people have different gifts at an operation at different mm -hmm. times. And this way, it just all gets refined and everyone grows. Yeah, that'd be really fun. So we have that. And yeah, Zellum in, our, in God's image. That's where we're going. Okay. Whoa. There was oh, return to the dust in Noah, and secret storehouses of wisdom and visions in the night. Oh, I guess this is another thing. That I guess I'll tell you this: if you want to converse a little more with God, and you're just like, okay, I know I'm not cleansing my spirit all the way, but I'd like to have a better experience when I go to bed at night. The best thing you can do is it starts when you wake up in the morning. Let the intention of your heart and your mind and your prayer to God be for purity that day. Uh, pray that you would be undefiled that day. Really, don't be double-hearted. Don't be chasing after your own pleasures. Everything you do that day, uh, be mindful to not be idolatrous. It's something you can actually just be aware of and pray. And as you start to become more aware of things, your mind starts to get renewed to the truth. Like everything you eat, it's not just, oh, I'm hungry, I'm ravenous, I'm just going to eat, you know, stuff my face. Or just like every little delicious thing that I feel like eating for my pleasure because me, 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 my flesh, mind of flesh, la la la. You know, like what are you doing? You're just living like an empty shell. If you live like a shell, you'll cling to the shells, which is the other side. It's just, it's just pointless. Even, you know... Be grateful for everything in your life. Like, good morning, Holy Spirit, right? This is a famous Benny Hinn book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Maybe acknowledge God when you wake up in the morning. Be thankful. If God tried to speak to you in a dream or something tried to speak to you in a dream, you're not sure, journal it. You can journal it. 
You can record it, do a voice recording. Speech to text is great. Wake up a little bit early or do this, you know, pray when you go to bed. Ask the angels to wake you up when you're supposed to wake up. So when they wake you up, if it's before the alarm, then, you know, wake up and don't go back to sleep. <laughs> Things like that. When you're going to eat food, it's an, it's an experience with God. You're fellowshipping with God. You're communing with God. How, when they were dedicating, you know, the temple, when they're doing different things, like with Moses, they would do it with a meal. They were consecrating with a meal. It, so it's something you're always honoring God in everything that you do. Every decision you're making. I'm going to be eating this to spend the time with, with God. I'm going to be mindfully consuming that. I'm making these decisions, you know, for a purpose. Everything I do in my life is worship unto God. And so you start just 24-7. You start to find a couple minutes. You forget that God exists for five minutes. And you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? But eventually, every moment of every day, you live constantly aware of Him. You're washing the dishes. You're talking to Him. You're listening to His Word. You're driving to work, praising His name, and not getting pissed off at the people cutting off in traffic. It's just... The, the blood pressure doesn't go up when people cut you off Driving anymore. in the spirit is really fun. Yeah. In um, the spirit, you can drive mm -hmm. a Lamborghini and a Ferrari every time, even <laughs> if you're in a Pinto. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Somebody's going to receive that one tonight. <laughs> so, you go through your day. And so when it comes time to night, make sure you forgive anyone who sinned, you know, forgive people's sins. Forgive your family's sins. Forgive those who sinned against you. And forgive your own sins. Ask for the forgiveness, the blood of Jesus. And just make sure your heart's right. Don't let that anger go down with the sun. Don't let, you know, things fester. Let go of things. Just start to learn to let go of it. Give it to the Lord. Say it out loud. Give it to Him. Just got to let this go. This is the main key, is the constant vulnerability with being honest mm -hmm. before the Lord and talking to Him and just mm -hmm. having your heart rent before Him all the time. And not trying to just you know fake it in front of him but be real with him and confess everything before him and let nothing be held in secret or in darkness in your heart or in your mind because as you bring it all out before his throne he comes and washes you heals you raises you up so you live in a constant place of vulnerability before his throne it's like a daily woman breaking her alabaster box before him i mean that's the daily crucified life and talking with him fellowshipping with him <laughs> there is a place of living before his feet broken and it's a place of vulnerability and confession without any thoughts of pride about yourself and your self-righteousness it's a holy brokenness it's living in the fear of the lord it's living with the lord before you and you're right with your mouth and your heart and your mind before Jesus as if he's standing in front of you all the time and your heart is poured out to him and that's how you really live a consistent life in the glory you're in continuous communion communion means fellowship in word and spirit and in deed and it there's a place of acknowledging and being aware that you're living your life right before his throne not just on the inside because oftentimes the brain is disconnected from that but also on the outside 
For the fear of the Lord to be in your eyes, it is written. And the eyes are the window to the soul, which means it's the, the door of the external temple into the temple of God. So there's a place of the fear of the Lord being on the outside of you, which really helps you stay broken, open, and in communion, which is communication with Him right where you're at. So you walk all your days in integrity and honesty before His throne. He'll deal with your junk. Listen, Enoch 65, before he started walking with God, you know what he started to do? What Enoch started to do? Talk to Him got real and honest with him. And the Lord became real to him on the inside and the outside. Amen. Enoch lived 65 years. He begat Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after having begot Methuselah. And he served the Lord and despised the evil ways of men, including his own. Because he had lived as a human being before he started to transfigure in his spirit as a living being. And Today, I was studying, the Lord said, a living being is one whose soul is constantly infused with the Holy Spirit. So what's a human being? The soul is not infused, which means it's just carnal-minded. There's no inspiration that the divinity of the third heaven of God's throne is not infusing the mind, will, and emotions, the senses, the seeing, the hearing, the touching, the smelling, the tasting, the feeling, None of all that's devoid of the divine nature. When the seeing, the hearing, the smelling, the touching, and the feeling is infused with the Holy Spirit, now you're tasting what it feels like to be a living soul, a living being. Amen. And the soul of Enoch, Jasher 3.2, the soul of Enoch, all those realms I just mentioned to you, was wrapped up in the instruction of the Lord, in knowledge and in understanding, and he wisely retired from the sons of men, which means he didn't participate in human affairs anymore. He didn't participate as a human being in the actions of human beings. He began to set himself apart for the works of the watchers of the holy angels. Amen. So going into the divine, if you read the book of Enoch, was an increasing activity with angels and less and less activity with human beings or animals or sinners. So he began to become separated, as must we in this Enoch company. Instruction of the Lord and the knowledge and the understanding, he wisely retired from the sons of men and secreted himself from them for many days. Becoming holy is secreting yourself from humanity, 666, animal activities, beast activities, carnal activities in the secret place of your heart in union and fellowship with the word of God for the Holy Spirit the oil to come forth from the earth and make the face shine and it was at the expiration of many years whilst he was serving the Lord and praying before him in his house that an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said here am I and he said rise go forth from thy house and from the place where thou dost hide thyself, and appear to the sons of men. Once he was consecrated, set apart for God, God sent him to humanity. Ho ho. Notice how he had to overcome that idolatry of human relationships, and I just, I'm so lonely, I just need to spend time with people. Can't we just make a nice chat group and everyone can just, I can just... 
Exactly. I'm telling you, it's for every single person's sanctification that they go through Jasher 3, the way the Lord is Enoch. Jasher 3, add it to your homework. Mm-hmm. In order that thou mayest teach them the way in which they should go and the work which they must accomplish to enter into the ways of God. Jasher 3, 5. And Enoch rose up according to the word of the Lord and went forth from his house, from his place and from the chamber in which he was concealed. And he went to the sons of men and taught them the ways of the Lord and at that time assembled the sons of men and acquainted them with the instruction of the Lord. And he ordered it to be proclaimed in all places where the sons of men dwelt, saying, Where is the man who wishes to know the ways of the Lord and good works? Let him come to Enoch. And all the sons of men then assembled to him, for all who desired this thing went to Enoch. And Enoch reigned over the sons of men according to the word of the Lord. And they came and bowed to him, and they heard his word. (laughs) You can just see if that were to happen today. They say they're worshiping Enoch. No, they bowed to him, which is called honor that we don't currently have on earth yet, but we will. Through teaching and through wisdom and through killing of the pride of the animal. They came and they bowed to Enoch. And they heard his word. And the Spirit of God was upon Enoch. And he taught all his men the wisdom of God and his ways. And the sons of men served the Lord all the days of Enoch. And they came to hear his wisdom. And all the kings of the sons of men, both first and last, together with their princes and judges, came to Enoch when they heard of his wisdom. And this is the wisdom of creation. You could say this was Torah. You know what he was teaching them? The wisdom and the deep, mystical secrets of Genesis 1. That's utterly what he was teaching them. The wisdom of the luminaries and the heavens, how creation works by God's word. It was an understanding of the sovereignty, how God made things and how they operate. And that's what the book of Enoch is all about, the sovereignty of God's creation. It's really, it needs to be mixed in with the Torah of Moses because it's all about the deep things of Genesis 1. And then you, there's a real manifestation of power there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called in Scripture, great wisdom. Great wisdom is not just the wisdom of the Old Testament. There's no reference to the Old Testament by the apostles as great wisdom. Great wisdom is the Old Testament plus the first family wisdom, which is luminous, luminary wisdom. And that's great wisdom. It's a totally different level of wisdom. There's two different categories of wisdom, of divine wisdom in the scriptures. Wisdom, which is under the sun, and then great wisdom, which is above the sun. Enoch taught great wisdom. Completely different level and they assembled in all 130 kings and princes and they made Enoch king over them so what's the realm of kingship divine kingship to the priests and kings over the earth revelation 1 the great wisdom over the sun that's the realm of kingship and they made Enoch king over them And they were all under his power 
and his command. And Enoch taught them wisdom, knowledge, and the ways of the Lord. And he made peace amongst them. And peace was throughout the entire earth during the entire lifetime of Enoch. World peace during the entire reign of King Enoch. King Enoch. Woo! And Enoch reigned over the sons of men 243 years. And he did justice and righteousness with all his people. And he led them in the ways of the Lord. And these are the generations of Enoch, Methuselah, Elisha, Elimelech, three sons, and their sisters were Melchah and Nama. And Methuselah lived 87 years, and he begat Lamech. And it was in the 66th year of the life of Lamech when Adam died. 930 years old was he at his death. And his two sons with Enoch and Methuselah, his son, buried him with great pomp. As at the burial of kings in the cave which God had told him. And in that place all the sons of men made a great mourning and weeping on account of Adam. It has therefore become a custom among the sons of men to this day. And Adam died because he ate of the tree of knowledge, and he of his children after him, as the Lord God had spoken. And it was in the year of Adam's death, which was 243rd year of the reign of Enoch, in that time Enoch resolved to separate himself from the sons of men and to secret himself as at first in order to serve the Lord. Notice, in the year Adam died, Enoch was raptured. <laughs> Fascinating, huh? He said, I'm getting out of here. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that until today. And Enoch did so, but did not entirely secret himself from them, but kept away from the sons of men three days, and then went to them for one day. And during the three days that he was in his chamber, he prayed to and praised the Lord his God. And the day on which he went and appeared to his subjects, he taught them the ways of the Lord. And all they asked him about the Lord, he told them. And he did this in this manner for many years, and he afterward concealed himself for six days and appeared to his people one day in seven, and after that once in a month, and then once in a year, until all the kings, princes, and sons of men sought for him, and desired again to see the face of Enoch, and to hear his word, but they could not, as all the sons of men were greatly afraid of Enoch, and they feared to approach him on account of the godlike awe that was seated upon his countenance, the reflection of the image of God that he bore from his spirit that was in communion with the Creator. Therefore no man could look at him, fearing he might be punished and die. Why? Because the throne of the Father had been formed inside Enoch's spirit. He image bore the throne of God. Right, because he said his soul was wrapped up in the instruction and the teaching and the ways of God. That's yet zero, that's the soul realm. So he continuously was wrapping his soul and what that light like a garment. He was soul his soul is wrapped up in the instruction in the way of the Lord. He learned how God wore light as a garment. His soul was wrapped up in the instruction. His yet zero tree became clothed, so he was not naked in the garden. So a perfect soul is simply a soul that reveals 
the Father's throne. Oh, hallelujah, that's your promised land. And it requires different, higher elevations as more of God is formed within you. So the formation of God within you by eating and doing the Word of God brings forth God's throne through your hearts. And that's how God's image is bore in your spirit and through your spirit on your faces. Amen. A perfect soul will reveal the throne of the Father every time. And the day came when Enoch went forth, and they all assembled and came to him. And Enoch spoke to them the words of the Lord, and he taught them wisdom and knowledge. And they bowed down before him, and they said, May the king live, may the king live. And in some time after, when the kings and princes and the sons of men were speaking to Enoch, and Enoch was teaching them the ways of God, behold, an angel of the Lord then called unto Enoch from heaven and wished to bring him up to heaven to make him reign there over the sons of God, over the angels. Woohoo! That's when he became Metatron. As he had reigned over the sons of men on earth, so he should reign over the angels in heaven. Jasher 3.23 Then at that time Enoch heard this, he went and assembled all the inhabitants of the earth, and taught them wisdom and knowledge, and gave them divine instructions. And he said to them, I have been required to ascend into heaven. You have been required to ascend into heaven. Now, Scripture teaches here that ascension into heaven is the ruling over angels, which is called Lord of Hosts, becoming a captain of angel armies, or a judge of angels. I therefore do not know the day of my going... So that's another understanding of, don't you know, even believers will judge angels, which means you'll have angel armies under your command. Ascension becomes a judge of angels, or a lord of angel armies. And now therefore I will teach you wisdom and knowledge, and I will give you instruction before I leave you, how to act upon earth whereby you may live. And he did so. And he taught them wisdom and knowledge and gave them instruction and he reproved them and he placed before them statutes, laws, and judgments to do upon the earth. And he made peace among them and he taught them everlasting life and dwelt with them sometime teaching them all these things. And at that time the sons of men were with Enoch and Enoch was speaking to them and they lifted up their eyes in the likeness of a great horse great horse descended from heaven and the horse paced in the air Woo! <laughs> I can just see Jesus on the white horse now in Revelation 19 a token of the future sons of God and they told Enoch what they had seen and Enoch said to them on my account does this horse descend upon earth the time has come when I must go from you, and I shall no more be seen by you. And the horse descended at that time and stood before Enoch. And all the sons of men that were with Enoch saw him. And Enoch then again ordered a voice to be proclaimed, saying, Where is the man who delighteth to know the ways of the Lord his God? Let him come this day to Enoch before he is taken from us. Sounds like he got to see the white horse galaxy. And all were invited. He wanted this impartation to go into everyone. And all, all the sons of men assembled. 
and came to Enoch that day, and all the kings of the earth, with their princes and counselors, remained with him that day. And Enoch then taught the sons of men wisdom and knowledge, and gave them divine instruction. And he bade them serve the Lord, and walk in his ways all the days of their lives. And he continued to make peace amongst them. And it was after this that he rose up and rode upon the horse. And he went forth. Woo! Isn't that wild? That's a new understanding of the overcomer, overcomers riding white horses in Revelation 19. Bob Jones saw that galaxy or that planet. Was it a planet <laughs> or a galaxy where they come from? He saw those the celestial white horses. It's a place in yeah. the heavenlies. It was a sapphire stone. Thank you, Enoch, for the horse. Amen. So as you rise, a horse descended, descends for you to ride upon. Oh, yeah. And the armies of God. Check this out. You guys probably already remember. Most of you listening probably already know this, but maybe somebody, you know, is new. Uh, I was traveling the spirit. Was this like, was it a year or two years ago? I was traveling in the spirit a lot. Sometimes I'd come back and remember where I went. Other times it would be fuzzy. Other times I'd have no idea where I just came from, but I knew that I was somewhere doing something in the spirit. And I was praying and interceding over Dubai at the time. Dubai was heavy on my heart and just praying for Dubai, praying for Dubai. Even, you know, the Google translates our you know, tongues would come up and be like, what, is, what are we going to do about Dubai? And so, you know, popping out of body and doing stuff. And then all that happens and then I get a text message from, woo, from our friend, our prophet uh, and great friend Shadrach who does our firebase over in Nairobi, Kenya. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to only send this to you. And I know when he's got a, you know, he's probably one of the most accurate prophets I've ever known or heard of in my life. It's just the razor sharp accuracy to the point where there's been specific issues I've had in my life and God would give him a dream and the solution would be in the dream. And he would be like, oh yeah, by the way, God gave me an, a solution in the dream, and here it is. And it was like, it worked 100%. You just incredible things like that. So he said, the Holy Spirit told me to only send this to you. He had a friend that was a pastor that was visiting in Dubai. And I'd been traveling out of body and the spirit with the Lord. And one of the prophecies over my life was that God was going to teach me I was going to get to learn how to ride a white horse. That's in the and, torch and the sword, too. Yeah, in the torch and the sword. Rick joined his prophecy when he met my spirit. Learning how to ride the white, white horse. horse. And so uh, Shadrach's friend who was in Dubai, they got video. Everyone was freaking out um, in public because they saw that it was like the person was invisible, but there was a white horse riding over the skies of Dubai, and they got it on camera. <laughs> and that's actually in our Revelation um, read-along. We have Revelation, the Passion Translation, read along. We put in the fun little clips in there and all that. So well, if it's written in the Word, you can guarantee yeah. it's true. So I got to ride a white horse over Dubai, obviously. <laughs> I got to, I had to be invisible. I asked the Lord, why can't you just make me visible? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Because then, well, you know what? Here's, here's the thing that the Lord has spoken mm-hmm. over some of you, too. He's not going to reveal you until it's time until the time but it's great because in the meantime we can spend time going to heaven traveling in the spirit watching the sick get healed 
encountering angels, learning the mysteries and the secrets of the Word of God, and all these heavenly encounters, and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, and just learning and growing in this time. But it's so real, and I saw that, and I about fell out of my chair. I was like, oh my gosh, they got it on camera. And... Uh, yeah, I think the next uh, interpretation in my tongues after that one was, thank you, Enoch, for the horse. And so when I went through Drasher a couple years ago, and I saw about the horse, it's like, okay, you know, this is the way. It, and then Bob Jones, when he got taken up in the heavenlies, he saw where all those white horses are. There's a bunch of them. So if you want to know what's required to get a white horse, because you can't just get jealous and try and steal somebody else's because the horse will literally kill you. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It, is, it doesn't. But if you want to get to know more about the requirements for a white horse, read the section that he was talking about, do your homework in Jasher, and read about Enoch's horse. And then go through, um, do the Passion Translation, Book of Revelation, on uh, Red Letter Ministries YouTube. Somebody's taking notes, I can see. But if you want to do your study time to see because you want to ask, I want a white horse. Okay, this is how you can go do your homework and, and ask for it. And then go through the Rick Joyner Final Quest series. If you get them on like Kindle or something like that, sometimes if you have, like I've got those book, um, you know, Audible, Kindle and all that, so that sometimes you can get free ones with your points or whatever. That's nice. But if you get it on the uh, digital version, some people like physical books, that's fine. But in the digital one, you can search. So you can look through the Final Quest series. Uh, which book was this, the horse one in? The Torch, yes. the torch and the oh, Sword? Oh, there's Torch and the Sword, torch Final the, Quest three. Final Quest, yeah. Uh, torch torch and the Sword, yeah. So if you go uh, the Final Quest uh, series, Torch and the Sword, uh, Red Letter Ministries YouTube channel, Book of Revelation, and then Jasher chapter 3, is it? Yeah, and uh, that, that's so accurate. Exactly. Mm -hmm where we're at in the body of Christ right now. We are in the torch and the sword in that part of the river and the valley and the girl horse riding and with the remnant surrounded by the charismatic armies of Satan. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly that's written in the torch and the yeah. sword. And we're living it right before your eyes. That's where we're at. So this is the time of learning how to receive the instruction of Enoch, the ways of Enoch, the path of Enoch, and all of it. To get the horse and now this is fascinating because Enoch's the only one that got the horse and everyone that tried to walk in Enoch's ways that didn't have a horse perished so that puts some light on Revelation 19 believers that don't get white horses are gonna perish they're not sealed in their forehead there's not a maturity of the divine nature in their inner man it's not Christ really formed in them and that's going to be a horrifying re reality and revealing to most believers in these days. The Great Tribulation is for believers, and the reason why it's horrifying is because they've only known Him outwardly, and they didn't have the formation of Him, mm -hmm. of knowing Him inwardly to bear His image to get mm -hmm. a horse. Right, and if anyone is just wondering, like, when you go in and you read that section, well, what about what, about what Rick Joyner said, where, you know, only certain people have... The torch is the only certain people ride the horses. There's there's different classifications. There's offices, and then there's 
experiencing God within your own spirit. So what Brandon's saying in that is you're going to be developed to be working with the angels and you're going to be riding with him, God inside minded and going up in the path of Enoch, having righteousness established on the inside of you. And of course, you know, you can encounter these creatures and things like that. And then from Rick Joyner's perspective, his teaching on the horses, like the sword, the torch, the horse. Theoretically, everyone should have a sword and a shield and a torch, you know, and you should be riding, you know. But when he's talking about the specifications of only certain people having this or that or the other, he's talking about the office. He's talking about cosmic offices, right, which come with a certain authority. Because there's God, like, just like Marie Woodworth Etter said, God always has his leaders. He always does that. So that's how you can understand the two things. So, you know, go for the presence of God. Have your sword and your shield and get ready to ride. And I think the Spirit wants to reiterate to you the importance of the horse is a status in an elevation of authority in the Spirit over angels. It's becoming a captain over angels. It's a status in the military system of God the Father's angelic kingdom called Zion. And after this he rose up and rode upon the horse. And he went forth, and all the sons of men went after him, about 800,000 men. And they went with him one day's journey. And the second day he said to them, Return home to your tents. What does it mean to return home? Repent. It means to return and become God inside minded. This is what, it's a whole different meaning when you look at it through the lens of the development of Enoch's spirit. Because they did not have the relationship with God in their own heart, he commanded them to return home. Or return to your first love. Develop your inner man, or you will perish, he preached. And he went forth, and all the sons of men followed him. And the second day he said to them, Return home to your tents. Why will you go? Perhaps you may die. And some of them went from him. And those who remained went with him six days' journey. And Enoch said to them every day, Return to your tents, lest you may die. But they were not willing to return, and they went with him. And on the sixth day some of the men remained and clung to him, And they said to him, We will go with thee to the place where thou goest. As the Lord liveth, death only shall separate us. And they urged so much to go with him, that he ceased speaking to them. And they went after him, and would not return. And when the kings returned, they caused a census to be taken, in order to know the number of remaining men that had went with Enoch. And it was upon the seventh day, that Enoch ascended into heaven in a whirlwind with horses and chariots of fire. Mm. (laughs) Clothed in the whirlwind. Elijah went up in a whirlwind. What did they have in common? They knew how to wear a good garment. They knew how to wear a cloud garment. Putting on... What are you putting on? Who are you wearing? The prophets ask, who are you wearing? Until your inner man is revealed to your brain, and your inner man is riding on a white horse. See? It's a totally different level of renewal where your brain 
can first of all see the light of his glory being formed in your spirit through digesting the word of God. Now your spirit man riding a horse, which is spirit man ability over the heavenlies. Amen. And on the eighth day, all the kings that had been with Enoch sent to bring back the number of men that were with Enoch in that place from which he ascended into heaven. And all those kings went to the place and they found the earth there filled with snow. Probably Minnesota. (laughs) And upon the snow were large stones of snow. And one said to the other, Come, let us break through the snow and see perhaps the men that remained with Enoch are dead and are now under the stones of snow. And they searched but could not find him for he had ascended into heaven. Amen. Amen. And why doesn't it work for so many people? Why do people hear these things and they just nothing changes? Because you don't love. You like the idea of love, but mostly people don't love. Enoch had a heart for the people. He had a heart for God. You know, the prophets and the apostles, the preachers of righteousness, the teachers of righteousness, have always seen much more than they speak. Why is that? They cover with love. How many multitudes of horrendous, disgusting, nasty trails and blazes of sin around the people's lives just emanating so open and obvious to the prophets, the apostles, the teachers, and the preachers of righteousness were covered, covered in love, tenderly cared for, concealed, prayed for, forgiven, washed. And at the same time, the very same people whose sins have been covered, washed, prayed for in secret, covering it for them as if it was their very own sin, even heartbreaking, heart-wrenched for the person to even realize how bad it would be in their own situation, understanding they don't even realize how disgusting it is, how filthy it is, how filthy they are, not wanting them to even have to deal with the reality that knowing that they can't handle it emotionally, covering them, praying for them, interceding, washing, forgiving, releasing angels. And yet those very same people are the very first to point out any small deficiency, even any small manifestation, immediately blaming the apostle, the prophet, the teachers, and the preachers of righteousness, insinuating it must be some problem with their this and that and the other. Do you understand how grievous that is to the Lord? That the very same people whose sins, which they aren't even maybe aware of, or only aware of in part, that are so, that are like an open sepulchre, like an open, disgusting vision of raw sewage to those who can see and smell, but who love and care for you and wash and cover and pray. And then those same people are always the ones to point out and insinuate the, a small flaw or something happened in the natural realm. It must be your thing. It must be your, you know, that thing. 
That, my friends, is a complete lack of love in those soul realms. And that is why it will never work for you. That is why you'll never ride on white horses unless many people won't. Most people will not ride on white horses because God knows they don't deserve it and he'll never give it to them unless you repent. Which means doing the word. Actually, you really want it? You just say, oh, I'm so hungry. I want, you don't understand. I'm desperate. I'll do anything. Really? Because the bare minimum of requirements of love are hardly even touched. Hardly even touched. Even acknowledging the reality of things in their own life, it's just completely blind. Full of sores. Disgusting. And yet it would be so heartbreaking to tell them the reality of the fullness of that situation. They don't even spell it out for you out of concern and care for how the Father feels toward your heart. He doesn't want to break your heart. He wants to heal you and make you better. He wants to wash you and make you well. And the actual reality of most people would be so devastating for them if they could see their current condition, it would completely break them. And the prophets see. The apostles see. Those, why does God unveil it to the seers? Because he knows they'll handle it with love. He knows they'll cover. He knows they'll never put it out on blast. He'll wash, they'll wash. And love from that secret place and intercede on their behalf and cover their faults in hopes that they'll rise. So when the people are, when, when men and women of God are giving you that grace and covering you, covering your loved ones, covering your family, understand that the most grievous thing that you could do to the heart of the Father is to then turn on those people and point out every little flaw, every little thing that you think it must be because of their this happened. That is what I'm talking about. Just to make it very real. Let our hearts be tender toward the heart of the Father. He wants to raise you up. He wants to clean you and wash you and resurrect fully circumcised, fully washed, fully armored up, a mature bride, fully healed. Something has to change. It can't just be all my knowledge and if I just study, you can study all the same scriptures, all the same materials I give you and never walk a day in it until you change your heart, until you change your attitude towards the ones that God has given it to. Ask yourself, why has, have you ever asked yourself this? I've asked myself this many times, especially in the past. Why didn't God reveal it to me? There are certain things where I'll go into mysteries and it's not revealed. And I would ask the Lord, why aren't you revealing this to me? And he would say, because you're not yet worthy to receive it. Ask yourself, ask the Lord, why has this not been revealed? Why is it still information? Why is it not revealed to me? Because you would feed it to spiders. You would just throw it out there for everyone and let, pearl, let the pearls be trampled on by swine. Because you were just looking for information. It'll never work for you. And he'll never reveal it to you as long as that's your heart. The soil has got to change. The soil is cursed. The soil is cursed. That's the problem. 
but why he cursed it in hopes. Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit when I told you not to, I have placed a curse upon the soil. All your life you will struggle to exact a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you shall eat its grasses. All your life you will sweat to master it until your dying day, then you will return to the ground from which you came. For you are made from the ground, and to the ground, to the ground, you will return. What is that ground? Adama. Ha Adama. Oh Noah. What did they say of Noah? This one will provide us relief from our labor. What labor? They didn't know how to sow, reap, or plow. They didn't understand the tilling of the soil. His name was named for that thing that he would provide for them later. There was something predestined, foreordained in him that would change things for them, and it was made known to them when they named him. Once Noah appeared, he, and this is according to Jewish history, he innovated techniques for them along with all the implements required to cultivate the soil, to yield fruit, to cultivate the soil, the work, work, sweat, thorns and thistles, cursed soil, relief, why do they name him Noah? Relief from our labor and from the painful toil of our hands caused by the soil that yad he vav he cursed. For he liberated the earth from her curse, and was therefore called. There it is, Ish Ha Adama. To the ground you return. What did they call him? A man of the soil, or husband of the soil. As it's written in the story of Ruth and Naomi, Ish Noemi. There it is. That was the husband of Naomi. He was a righteous man. Who was Noah? A righteous man, a preacher of righteousness, who learned how to cultivate the, the soil by bringing the sacrifice. And who was Naomi's husband, a righteous man? A pillar in the temple of my God. It's cosmic righteousness. Noah raised the standard and caused the whole flood He learned to cultivate the soil to produce good fruit. So what's gonna happen until we learn? Well, why is God saying strengthen the left side, strengthen the left side? What's the left side? Boaz, the pillar, hello. Had, what does it represent? We talked about this before, kavad. Lots of internal Shekinah, that's great. What do you need more of? Kavad. That heavy, the weighty, what is the first mention of Kabod? Wealth, glory, riches. That thing that you have internally, if we're lacking externally, we are deficient. God's been saying for some time, strengthen the left side. Genesis 3, I have placed a curse upon the soil. All your life, you will struggle to extract a living from it. That's the situation, isn't it? 
I have placed a curse upon the soil of your garden, of your earthen vessel. All your life you will struggle to exact a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you shall eat its grasses. There's the curse of the vegan diet right there. Mm -hmm. All your life you will sweat to master it until your dying day. Until your dying day, then. Why is there a then? Until your dying day, then. You will return to the ground. What is it? Ha Adama. The ground. Husband of the soil. For you are made from the ground, and to the ground you will, you will return. Return to Noah. Return to Boaz. Return to righteousness. Strengthen the Kavad. Using that Shekinah that Noah had at birth to do the external work on the outside, in creation, natural external creation, on the outside of you, the natural realm, to change it. Or we'll go another, what, do you want another 40 years in the wilderness? Just let me enjoy the black sun and just let me enjoy learning about God all day and not doing anything to transform the natural dimension. The inner work is for the purpose of taking over and transforming the external world around you. Otherwise, what's the point? Why did you come here? Right. You On earth as it is in heaven. I think I, the Lord has given me a summary of all this wisdom. You must first carry the heart of God within you. Then you'll carry the authority of God in you. It's walking with God in His heart and accurately bringing the heart of God through your spirit, soul, mind, and body. And by consistently doing that, then you'll be raised up and given a horse to go up with horses and chariots and fire in a whirlwind of rapture. Mm -hmm. And who will have to approve you? The master of chariots himself. Mm -hmm. So learn while you're young to submit to the river of life, to the spirit of Elijah. He is the master of chariots in our day and you must have his approval. Amen. Amen. This week we're raising up support. God has clearly led all the leadership in Red Letter Ministries <laughs> to support the orphans. And uh, we've hand-selected <laughs> two orphanages in Nairobi, Kenya. We've been connected <laughs> to them for a while, but we're going to do something significant for them this week. Amen. And so all the offerings that come in this week, we're going to raise support for the two orphanages that Pastor Shadrach in Nairobi, Kenya has connected to, and I want to read you Galatians 2.10, and ask you to give into this outreach, our 32nd RLM outreach, to the poor. We're going to clothe them. We're going to feed them. Perhaps uh, upgrade their bedding, their pillows, uh, their schooling, whatever need they have. We're going to try to really, really upgrade their lives in a major way. Galatians 2.10, they asked only one thing, 
They wanted us to continue to remember poor people. That was what I had wanted to do all along. So any link in the description and you're giving this week, we're going to raise hopefully five, ten thousand dollars as much as we can to make a huge impact on many orphans' lives in Nairobi, Kenya, and be blessed as you remember the poor. And I have a quick word on this. I hear a word from the Lord. Uh, When the Lord gave us the word recently that we are coming against the spirit of delay, that giant in the promised land. This is the giant in the promised land for all believers. The instructions of Malachi chapter 3 were to, number one, address uh, the issue of tithes and offerings and bring clarity there and how that works in the new covenant. So we've done that last week. And the other two items on there were to take care of the widows and take care of the orphans. So this is, you know, you were really faithful with that part one. Uh, This is kind of part two of our taking down the giant of the spirit of delay. So don't get into that religious mindset brain thing. Oh, do I give? Do I not give? We're going to take out the spirit of delay. If you sow into this, you're literally uh, throwing a stone from the slingshot at the giant's forehead and doing this. So we've got uh, tithes and offerings. Uh, coming in as they're supposed to. Uh, we're going to be taking care of orphans, and then also I believe there will be something done at some point for the widows since it was a three-part um, mandate from the Lord. And so it's for our, your benefit. If you hate delay, if you hate what the spirit of delay has done in your life and the lives of those you love, I highly encourage you, give in to this um, because that is going to be part of the takedown of that spirit. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.
אדוני, אדוני, אלוהי גדלת מאוד, הוד והדר, רבשת אותה אור כסלמה, נוטה שמיים כיריעה, המקרב המים עליותיו, אסם עבים רכובו, המהלך על כנפי רוח, עושה מלאכת רוחות, משעת הרעש לוהט, יסד ארץ על מכוניה. Altimodora, 